The purpose of Retire with Style is to help you discover the retirement income plan that is right for you. The first step is to discover your retirement income personality. Start by going to resaprofile.com style and sign up to take the industry's first financial personality tool for retirement planning. We talk about the new official dialect in the U.S., the big red machine, carnival rides, and, of course, a 70s sitcom reference. And that's just in the first six minutes. So you've been warned. Hello, everybody. <laughs> How was that, Wade? Was that a good... Uh, <laughs> that... Nice radio Thank intro you. there. Thank <laughs> you. Hey, everyone, on your morning drive, welcome to Retire With Style. I'm Alex Mergia, and I'm here with my partner, Wade Fowl, how are you today this lovely afternoon, Wade? I'm doing great. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure we're going to get oh, some yeah, reviews we, on that we, for the intro <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> Come on, Wade, what's your, what's your radio voice? Do it in a, I'm feeling great, Alex. Come on, man. <laughs> hey, everyone. Feeling great. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and so we're here with Andrew Lippert from Simplified Wealth today to do our Reza in Action episode, right, Andrew? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining, Andrew. I don't, I don't have a good radio voice. Go on. <laughs> I, I don't have a good radio voice. This brings me back to when I went to a little Reds camp as a, as a kid and did the radio announcing uh, for Marty Brenneman. Uh, I, I just remember them playing that back, and I was like, oh. <laughs> No, I don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a radio voice either. I, in fact, I don't even know if that's a radio voice. I, those are, I remember in my school, you know, I went to a parochial school, a Jesuit school in Miami, and they had a, a carnival during spring break all the time. And, you know, I, I was, vo- I was, I was, I was modeling my voice after the people in the, in the rides. Yeah, and like the yeah, Gravitron yeah. and somebody goes, you want to go faster? <laughs> that, that kind of thing. That's that's the voice I was going for, Wade. You should have just let me keep the image in my head of you doing the radio voice instead of the, the carnival. Yeah, that's carnival. right. Well, if I did radio voice, I would do my best. I would do my best. WKRP Johnny Fever. <laughs> there you go. There's your, your Cincinnati uh, reference. <laughs> WKRC, is it? Yeah, and that, that huh? fits. <laughs> is, it, is that WKRC? WKRP, right? I, Did you say I'll C? be honest. I, I, you're probably sliding more towards my dad's age group. Yeah, WKRP. I, I didn't really have that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Eighty Alex, reruns. Alex's yeah. cultural references don't go past. No, the 1970s, man. No, again, so. reruns, man. Reruns. It's like I love Lucy. I know them all, but I, you know, I wasn't alive when the first runs happened. But all right. <laughs> There you go. I was the latchkey <laughs> kid. You go home from school, you watch TV for a few hours before your parents get home. That's that's life didn't get any better than that, you know, kind of thing. But uh, I'll give you a reference here, and let's see if Andrew gets it. Andrew is here with his Cincinnati Reds World Champions cap on, 
and all that kind of stuff. I big red machine. Name me the big red machine. Quickly, don't think about it. Uh, Johnny Bench, uh, Pete Rose. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Oh my gosh! Oh my goodness! Dave Concepcion, uh, okay. Caesar Geronimo. Um, uh, uh, forget Caesar Geronimo. There's one more. I think it's uh, a Hall of Famer. Joe Morgan. Joe Morgan. Okay. There's two oh, more then. Uh, and who do they have? Pitch. No, that wouldn't have been there. Yeah, but that's not who we're going for here. I'm going to get such I'm not sending this to any of my friends. He's Cuban. (laughs) You're missing the Cuban one. You're missing the Cuban guy. uh, You remind me of another, Frank Robinson. He's not Cuban, um, but he was on that. uh, Who am I thinking? Oh, uh, wait, did I say Concepcion? Shortstop? No, Perez, last name. Perez? Tony Perez. Yeah, I think he's. Oh, oh man. that's now it's like when Lena and I talk at home and I'll say something in Spanish and I'll say it three times and then she'll say it and I'll be like, that's what I said, right? No. <laughs> I'm a parrot. You got Tony the Paris. Tony Paris. You said Paris. Paris? I didn't even hear you say it the first time. You said that? No, no, no. I'm saying I would have said Tony Perez. <laughs> oh, Lena oh, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. Different dialects and I'll be like, isn't that what I said? It's, it'll be it's like probably, probably Antonio Perez. <laughs> Probably something like that. Actually, there was an article in the New York. There was an article in the New York Times saying in Miami that they, they consider now my accent to be a dialect. <laughs> so they, I guess, what's a, a dialect like more to a local region. Is that right? Yeah, kind of like, like when you know, because uh, you take Spanish phrases and you just translate them into English. Like when you say, like, get down from the car. It's supposed to get out of the car because in Spanish you say "bájate de carro," which is like right. Uh, there's oh, kind of that, phrases that was like in the New York yeah, Times, yeah, yeah. right? I can see that, but you don't use those types of phrases. It's literal translations of Spanish. I do. I, English, I probably may but... have been over time assimilated more, but people ask me all the time, like, "Where are you from?" And you say the U.S. born here in this country, and then no, no, where are you originally from? Because they they detect. Like an accent as well, but I, I, my, my thing is, I think that's a Miami accent because everyone speaks like me when I go back home. So I don't necessarily consider it an accent, if you will. Yeah, none of us have an accent, right? To ourselves, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) But that's what it is. Accents of fidelity, the most random wrong one I would say at the call center. Somebody asked if I was from Philadelphia, and I was like, this, this, this slow jaw, Philadelphia. I was like. so so wade what do you think have we have we kept everyone on or have we lost all of our listeners in the first six minutes Yeah, i think we need to tell bob for the intro to fast forward six minutes if you just want to get (laughs) no it's fine it's fine uh so the risa here uh no everyone knows about it's good uh how did you first hear about it you know the retirement income style awareness we'll we'll start from the beginning Given the Cliff Notes version, everyone already knows this thing's awesome. <laughs> we we don't even. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah, um, yeah. I, I I learned about it actually after reading uh, this book. Um, I was I was actually down with Lena. At her family's in Colombia for like three weeks, and I kind of try and do like you know just bigger picture, just thinking and slowing down. You know, get off the computer stuff. So I actually re- reread all of your book, Wade. 
um, partly as I was going through like creating my workflows in Hubly because it was, you know, you, you have all these things in your head and it's just like, geez, please, like, how did I even remember? You know, so why not start? By any chance? What's that? Were you were you at the beach when you were reading it? Being in Columbia? Was that uh, by any chance? Yeah. Your light summer beach reading? I was um, <laughs> actually, hold on. You'll, uh, I'll see if I can, I know where this is in two seconds. I have a, quite the photo, I think, with their book in it even. Um, but yeah, so I, re- I read the book. And so in the back, I think in the back of the book, they mentioned it, right? And everyone likes something free. I think it referenced download this or whatever. Um, so I went to the website. And to me, it was cool that it was available to retail customers too. I was like, that's, that's neat. Like, you know, putting it, putting in the arms of the masses. Like, and so, um, but I signed up like for the advisor version. And to me, it was kind of a no brainer because of what it can do for you. And it costs like a thousand bucks out of pocket. And I'm like, <laughs> I would tell some friends about it who are out on their own now. And I don't know, I feel like it's skipping over uh, dollars to go after pennies when you're like, ah, I don't want to spend that enough. I'm like, dude, if you're made, if you got, you know, X number, <laughs> that's spread among how many people. What's the incremental cost of that? Like, and it's a really useful, I mean, if I was y'all, I'd jack the price up on everyone but me. Um <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so that's kind of how I, I, I found it and uh, ran into it. And, it just, it, you know, to me, it, just, it makes life simpler to, to kind of just guardrail what you should run through and do diligence on that side of it without, because otherwise it's just, I don't know, I get overwhelmed by the annuity world. And it's like people, I'm like, I'm not putting like the CFA stuff on pedestals, but I'm like, man, I get overwhelmed and I like to hope I'm not like totally a dummy, like, how, where do you even start in the annuity world? <laughs> like if you just start with the blank slate, it's just like a volume of yeah, everything. Yeah. So that's so what I like. Your first exposure, your first exposure to it was on the beach reading uh, Wade's retirement planning handbook. Yeah, so guidebook yeah, or whatever I think, guidebook, I, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. I, th- I swear I have the picture of it here. I'll, I'll show you. It's, oh, it's okay. Uh, this is a podcast. No one's going to care. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. Save your calories, Andrew. Mostly people are <laughs> audio <laughs> only. Focus. Focus. <laughs> focus. All right. I'm back. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. When I'm saying that, wait, huh? Uh, all right. So I, I know something <laughs> that, that near and dear your heart is the whole fiduciary angle. Right. I, I'd love to get your thoughts on how you view just in general, you know, uh, how advisors can not just give it lip service, because I think right now it's more of a marketing thing than anything fiduciary. And not only is it a marketing thing, it's it's a word that I don't necessarily think generate uh, resonates with consumers. I mean, uh, it's just That's a word. Ruined it. And so uh, and so from that standpoint, though, I, I'd love your take on your worldview on that and how that dovetails into the RISA. Because I, I do think the RISA from its agnostic approach really allows you to, well, I won't lead you just, you know, I'll let you fire away. Yeah. No. Um, I mean, as far as just, you mean my opinion on like the fiduciary, I guess the, the state of that concept existing in our industry. Yeah. Um, Cause I think consumers, you know, uh, you know, we have a fair number of consumers, and and I think it's interesting for them to hear an unvarnished view of what an advisor thinks of it. Like, you know, an advisor in, in in practice, like yourself. What what does that word really mean? Um. So I'll give I'll give my view. Uh, it's only it's only my view, right? Not not Wade's or yours. Um. 
it, I say that because it, it sometimes can sound a little bit, I don't know, jaded, if you will, I've been told. Uh, but the reality is, I, I, in my personal experience, I think there's a lot of non-fiduciary behavior that goes on all the time, if I were to put it lightly. Uh, and I think that if the average American saw kind of how the food was made in the kitchen with their hard-earned money, probably a lot of times they wouldn't be thrilled in my opinion. And I'm not, there's degrees of that, right? Like there's, there's, you have the, you know, idealistic, perfect fiduciary type scenario situation. Then you have the, Hey, I'm going to sling these variable, whatever is going to give me the biggest pay cut to this grandma who's 85 and has no business buying it, but I don't care. I'm getting paid. Right. There's degrees in, in the middle somewhere there. Um, so, I, I mean, I think what's happened though is, that word has, to me, my experience was when I was working at Fidelity in the in the wealth management role on the employer benefit side, it was around 2013 through 17, so right when DOL was happening. And to me, I saw a shift and I felt it in the job, literally, because when I was hired in that role, they really wanted planners, it seemed like. As time went on, you know, DOL came, it kind of became the volume game, right? Because it was almost like they didn't even know how to handle the type situation. It was more, more reactive instead of proactive. And and, but then what happened also in the same sense was everyone called themselves fiduciaries now because it was required by law overnight. And like, and to me, that's just kind of a joke because I, I use the example. My mom's a nurse. My dad's a doc. Both great, you know, professions, but they're different. And, and I don't care if they pass law overnight. They, all nurses will be held to the same standards as doctors. That wouldn't occur. You can say whatever you want and wish, wish hopeful, you know, frilly ideas, but that doesn't make it a reality. And in fact, I think all it did was make it more confusing because now everyone, I literally will hear people say, oh, you know, this person's background is this, or they have that experience, or their firm specializes in this, they're a fiduciary. But the thing is, I'm a fiduciary too. We're actually not different at all. And I'm like, no, like if you look at yourself as a human and like your background, it's like, yeah, you you have the whatever accredited investment fiduciary designation that took a week to get and now you can call yourself that. And they, I just think it became another cloak, frankly, for, for for the people who weren't acting that way in the first place. <laughs> uh, so I, I think we'd have been better off had that disparity yeah, I, still. I, I don't disagree in, in directionally. Are you a financial professional looking to learn more about the RISA and retirement income best practices? Well, if you are, you should join our Retirement Income Masterclass on Monday, August 28th, and Tuesday, August 29th. You can sign up at resaprofile.com slash advisors. That's resaprofile.com slash advisors. Yeah, and, and go on, Wade. Well, just, and maybe the, to take this in some direction, the, <laughs> a lot of the marketing around fiduciary tends to be anti-annuity. And it's really that type of marketing that's, the marketing is, I'm a fiduciary because I serve your best interests. When you do well, I do well. It's based on accumulation, growing a pot of assets, because if you're charging based on the assets that you manage, yeah, you can make this argument that when you have more assets, I get paid more. And so our incentives are aligned. But then we get to retirement income. And that's where the uh, traditional idea of having the biggest pot of assets available doesn't always align with the concerns people have to have sustainable income in retirement. And so then <laughs> things like annuities get discredited and so forth. But there are ways for to still have that fiduciary title and 
also be able to offer different retirement styles. And, and I think that's an interesting experience you've had, how you've developed that. And really starting at Fidelity, we first met, I visited Cincinnati when you, you were at Fidelity, met you there. Fidelity, I always thought was unique as a asset management company that was also quite bullish on using simple income annuities as part of their clients or customers' retirement strategies as well. Uh, and so you you had that foundation, but how did, well, you developed that foundation and then how did that evolve into where you are today with the firm that you have that is fee-only, but is taking a broader perspective of, about how to build retirement strategies? Yeah, I guess in a roundabout way, um, I remember Fidelity, I would always ask clients, hey, if you could build a firm any way you wanted it, money was no issue or whatever, what would it look like, right? Because Fidelity is kind of Walmart and you can create it somewhat the way you want it to a degree. Um, so, you know, after kind of years of that and then have, have my kind of philosophy and vision to things, uh, I think that the annuity income uh, piece of an overall retirement plan just to me, it's kind of a, a core fundamental. Doesn't mean you're going to jam it down someone's throat who, who doesn't want it, right? But it's at least something that should be reviewed, assessed. Hey, is is this something that, that might fit in as one of the pieces of the puzzle? Uh, pretty much every every time you know somebody's going through any retirement income planning analysis, and to me, it was always simple. Just starting with those plain Jane income annuities, like don't overcomplicate it. Like you know, if you want to buy a little income, here's how you can do it. Uh, and this is what the, the trade-offs will look like. What, what are your preferences and differences? And I think what kind of helped me what Fidelity was, um, I, I always I always performed fine on, on performance metrics and stuff, but my managers would tell you it drove them nuts a bit that I didn't care about their, the scorecards <laughs> at all. I never knew what <laughs> I would have my quarterly reviews. Where are you at on this, Lippert? I don't know. You tell me my batting average coach. I just want to go up to the plate and try and hit like, Am I doing good? (laughs) Which I think made him more nuts because I was always like top third still somehow. Um, But I say that because I didn't pay attention to those things because I knew if I did, you'd get distracted. Like Fidelity was a great place to hone the broader planning framework in these niche groups. And I just ignored all those scorecards. And I say that because like the planning role I was in, we didn't get any compensation on Philly flows as they called it. But I I didn't care because A, you're supposed to help the client and B, I knew long-term that's how you could kind of learn these things. So I would always sit in on the joint calls with the, the Philly consultants, you know, making sure I kind of understood how it fit in, how they see it in that little niche niche arm of the world, if you will. Um, and overall, I think Fidelity had did have a really good offering on that front. Like I saw them turn away multiple clients who wanted to consider bringing in external annuities and doing exchanges. You know, they would, hey, that's better to there. Just leave it, you know. Um, so that, that was – And how uh, would you – how, how would you say the RISA dovetails into your philosophy? Um, it makes it easy to do it. Is <laughs> kind of the short answer. Uh, you can see that I get a little, little curious down other avenues at times, right? Yeah. Like, so it gives you first of all a clear framework. You're bowling with bumper lanes um, that's easily repeatable for for people, and I trust that that y'all put in. You know, I love that all the nerdy work y'all do behind the scenes because it makes my life easier to, to come to the core beliefs I have around, you know, these things. And, um, you know, so I trust the empirical outputs of it and whatnot. And it just makes it simple then narrowing down to a few potential considerations of that broad world. And also to me showing clients, even ones who don't, I know are pretty sure I'm not, it's not going to spit out, say buy an annuity because it just, you know, 
Like I got one right now. Both of them are the total portfolio kind of thing. And I figured that would be it. I've known them for a while and that's just their, their kind of personality, but they still appreciated going through it. What was interesting was, um, it actually created a really good kind of back and forth uh, discussion on what was some previous misunderstandings between the spouse around their opinions on some money viewpoints. Um, so, so it kind of evolved outside of even the, that tool and almost like a behavioral uh, discussion yeah. to clarify. So, yeah, it just makes it easy to streamline that process and, you know, make sure you're doing your due diligence in a simple way. Um without recreating the wheel every time. Because prior to RISA and prior to DPL, I was calling, frankly, old friends from Fidelity that worked in the Philly group and asking their opinion on stuff. Like, And that's just <laughs> not practical to do. What's, what were the differences? I, I'm, I'm curious of that because we've gotten this a lot. We've gotten a lot from other advisors saying it's opened up the conversation between spouses where other times, you know, it... it, it when the other spouse is not specifically solicited for information, it's hard to get that. And and it has to be beyond just in a meeting with both of them. Let's just, you know, uh, I'll, I'll be kind of uh, stereotypical here, but let's say the male spouse, whatever, uh, runs, runs, you know, you 95% of the meeting, 95% of the meeting is like whatever. Right. And then they just look to the female and say, what do you think? And that, that person just says, yeah, whatever. Okay, fine. You know, but, and then the advisor thinks, Hey, I brought them into the meeting. I asked them and you know, they had the floor. That doesn't really work like that. And so I think a lot of advisors have said that, you know, by giving actual time for the other spouse to take it by themselves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it does open up conversations. So that's why I'm curious. What, what was the actual, from a use case standpoint, what, what were the differences between the spouses and, and how did that conversation look like and how did it end? Well, the, the funny thing is their kind of results were, were similar. Okay, um, that's fine. What the discussion came up was is, is so the one spouse was doing it. We were just going through like kind of the initial part and then going to save it and let them do it on their at home, right? But she was, she was going through the first part. Um, just the way she was answering questions surprised the, the husband. Um, you know, he, he thought she felt differently about certain things. So it wasn't like an argument as much as he was like, wait, you feel like that about that? But, and it just kind of happened about four or five questions this in a row. And it was kind of, you know, it was, it was cute, but it was funny. She, you know, it was kind of, wait, hold on. We need to back up here. And so that's when we saved it. And I was like, this isn't bad though. Like, you know, that's good. It sounds like he's learning, you know, a different perspective around what, what the way you he thought you felt about this topic X, but sounds like you don't. Um, why don't we talk about it? And so that's, it kind of forced them to, you know, it's like when you journal, it forces you to put your ideas on paper and stare at them real hard. So, you know, maybe before you weren't active listening or whatever, somehow you misinterpret it when they're answering quizzes right in front of their spouse and that spouse is paying attention. They're going to kind of sometimes, I don't think you, that you really, that would be me with my my wife. I'd be like, "Oh, you're calm when the you know, no, I'm just teasing." But you you kind of know what you would expect your spouse to answer a little. So yeah. that, that's kind of how I drove that. But the results, the funny thing is, were pretty much very identical. I was like, "Well, here's the good news. <laughs> you guys are very similar. You just thought that she didn't know." Felt and he yeah, felt yeah. Differently. Well, that in itself is 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 good. I'm I'm fascinated by this. What what did you journal this morning? <laughs> Uh, this morning, no, 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 I'm kidding. I, 
Well, I'm looking for my. I got the problem is I have like one journal, two journal. Oh my god! <laughs> have, oh my goodness! Journals just. Dude, don't ever make see. fun of my generation again. All right. <laughs> you got like you three journal see? books. Oh my god! <laughs> this is from my fidelity days of everything I learned. Fixed income. I, I have so many notes. I was going in the bond market back then every day, and everybody made fun of me. You're never gonna read that. It's kind of all right, fun all right, to read. Later. All right, Michael Milken. All right, Michael Milken. Let's <laughs> let's get back to the, the interview. Here. Wait, any any questions? Well, it's, it was, sounds like in that scenario you were having them take the risa in your presence. Is that? Yeah, I was initially a general approach you take. Yeah, or? yeah, I was initially just kind of making sure they got logged in right and got the questions started. So when they you know, go home later. Oh, I, not, I can't create a username. You know, the yeah, you can. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted them to get the training wheels kind of in the bike going. But they, they just kept answering them. I was like, we can quit if you guys want, but if you want to keep going. And then it just kind of <laughs> snowballed into that a little bit. No, but yeah, and, it was a, to your point, even regardless. See, like, they both clearly, they cared about each other. That was the cool part. You saw that they were like, they were almost the person who misinterpreted or thought the other person in a different way. They were like, why? Well, it was almost like they felt a little bad that they had misinterpreted maybe the way they, and so I was like, that's good. Shows you care. Now look, you're clarifying something. This is healthy. Like, it's better than before when it was a sleeping giant 10 minutes ago, maybe and a disagreement waiting to happen. <laughs> now we're good. No, self-discovery in and of itself is a, uh, is an intervention. I mean, it, it just is. So I, I, I think that's that's pretty good. Honestly, Wait. in a way, you guys know that tool. Um, it's a uh, like DNA or uh, it's one of those behavioral uh, finance. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. It takes that uh, the millionaire next door kind of vibe. Yeah, and they, they they created this thing. Yeah, I'm not. I, I I don't know it too much other than it exists. I, I can't say I've like like well, looked at it under the hood or anything. I had it, but I felt like I, I like it. But the problem is, I felt like I liked it more than clients cared for it, kind of. And, and yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to over inundate them. And I felt like Rissa starts to tiptoe into a little bit of, you know, those feelings and emotions. So that's another plus, I would say, for Rissa because it was just, you know, one less, one less tool. Let's take a moment to let the audience know that this show is sponsored by Retirement Researcher. You can learn more about Retirement Researcher at retirementresearcher.com and subscribe to our newsletter where you'll receive weekly actionable information for your retirement planning benefit. Retirement Researcher is an online community devoted to helping you create the retirement income plan geared towards your goals. I think ultimately what we tried to do, and and let me know if we pulled this off. I mean, it's fine. Is Look, there's a balance, right, between bringing in the psychological stuff and uh, bringing in the the retirement income stuff, and there's there's a school of thought out there that you know personal finance is more personal than finance, and and yeah, I, I agree, right? But there's a there's the the reality is that you have to be competent, and you just can't be somebody's best friend, and that's it. You have to know, you have to actually know the material, <laughs> you know, and not just know the material, like know it inside and out, you know. That's what you're getting paid for as well. And so I, I think the industry, and this is me with, and I'm a, I'm a psychologist for God's sake, in, in terms of my training, I think the industry is, is, 
is really going all into this. It's about the relationship, and that's all that matters. And yeah, there is that. That's a hundred percent. That that that's that's a, a significant variable. You know, if you were to you know determine you know who gets you know who gets uh, responsibility for a successful relationship, but by the same token, I, I I think you have to have your chops like like ready to go. And so what I think the reset does is it really takes the best from retirement income planning and it takes, you know, what I think is really this psychological uh, personality assessment and it blends them really well into something that you can practically use as opposed to, okay, I know this guy is a sweetheart of a person, but okay, what do I do with that from a planning standpoint? (laughs) You know, that that kind of thing. It's funny the way you described it because I remember I was was doing a – a night class at university of Cincinnati. And it was like, a, a supposed to be a master's in finance. And it was sitting in a, like a portfolio statistics class. And there were a couple other fidelity buddies and a guy from TD Ameritrade and a fifth third guy. We were all admittedly goofing off in the back a little bit, but it was because it didn't teach anything about portfolio statistics. It was a waste of time to be there. And I finally had enough one class and I was like, Hey, professor, like, I don't, I'm not following the math here. Can you help me understand it? And he literally said, it really doesn't matter. It's look, I look at, I work at Morgan Stanley and it's all about the relationship. And I was like, Oh my, I said, I can get told that at work. I came here at night to learn this, the, the math behind this. Like, I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong, but like, that's not why I'm here right now. Like <laughs> consequently dropped out of that, that program. Uh, no, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of that same sentiment. And I don't, it's just not neither or. That's what drove me nuts when it felt like at times in the industry, people want to make it an either or like, well, you can either be competent or nice. Like, wait, because like, of the call center, they started kind of high, trying to hire uh, towards Disney World with experience was the way they phrased it. And I was like, that's nice, but you can you can say thanks. And can I help you with anything else all you want? But if you don't have good, strong technicals with people's money eventually they're going to be annoyed no matter how nice you are because this isn't Disney world. It's their retirement. <laughs> like, so why do we have to pick? Can't we find nice and incompetent people? <laughs> Maybe not. I, I don't, I don't Wade, What's your take? No, it makes sense. I was just wondering if that was the, the trainer ratio that you were learning about. The trainer. No, it's the Sortino. <laughs> There's so the many. Sortino. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember all this fun The thing. trainer ratio. <laughs> well, it was Roy's safety first. I remember one of my friends was nonstop. He had finished the CFA. He was like, they're going to ask about it. They asked every single year. No, but this is this is going back to But again, I, I mean, I, what's your take on the RISA in terms of striking that balance between retirement planning competence and leaving room for like hey what's your preference what's your what's your sort of internal approach so we can kind of weave them together do we pull it off yeah i I mean i think it's great i I guess if you know if you were trying to like quote add anything to it you you could um but you're probably starting to get beyond what you wanted to design it for right the more you slip over towards like the behavioral side of anything like i think Uh, it's great it is um, if you, I guess I'm selfishly thinking, well, they're close to just combining that data points with it. Might as well just go away. <laughs> no, I don't want to do it. At this point, I mean, there's stuff we can do, but we want, we want to get away from being a financial planning tool because then that, that just op- 
I, I, I think there's other things we can do that are interesting that the industry hasn't done that we'll pursue as opposed to just growing it into some platform that does planning. And then after planning, it, it provides model portfolios and this kind of this, blah, blah, blah. And to me, I oh, think yeah, that's, part of the, that's part of the problem with the industry. Everyone wants to be this sort of Lord of the Rings, you know, <laughs> one ring to rule them all. And, no matter what you sign up for, we have vaults for that. I'm like, I have 500 volts. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know if, if that's where we want to go. But uh, again, just to, I'll, I'll finish it off. Like, look, I, I think the Risa strikes a good balance. Uh, between behavior fine, I don't even call it behavior fine. I, I call it psychology. You know, between psychology and retirement income best practices. I think the industry right now is leaning hard towards how can an advisor become a client's best friend. And I don't know. I I I, I think that's that's great because the relationships do matter. But I think sometimes people lean into that, lean into that at the expense of just basic competence. That that you can kind of tell that. That is lacking. When when they start talking about like you, you hear it on the fin fin twit, you know, on Twitter, these whole advisors that are on Twitter, this or that. When they start talking about the value of storytelling and that kind of stuff, I just uh, I just <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I mean, I, I just like I, I almost like Schadenfreude or, or I don't know what the right word is, but it, it's where you're just like, oh my goodness, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, well, by I, think, I think you do want that. That's I would get annoyed sometimes that. And I get why, you know, it's a big corporation, but I remember at Fidelity, some of the training, and I needed the, the process, frankly, because I get distracted. But you had CSS, consultative selling skills training. And I remember telling him, a buddy of mine once, I'd be fine with it if it was 70% that and 30% we went in and did financial planning training. But it's like, I swear to God, it's 95 to 5, maybe 99 to 1. <laughs> it's like, yeah. can we sprinkle a little technical training in here? Like, yeah. Like, well, you I know, mean, you only have the client questions so many times before eventually you have to say, well, here's a here's a way. We I think you have to put yourself in. This is me not knowing, but you're talking about the and, and, and Andrew's talking about in his previous life, not in his world right now with Simplified Wealth, where he worked with in the Fidelity, like, you know, those offices that you see in strip malls, Schwab, you can make the case. TD used to have them, but they merged now with Schwab. But, you know, those are different. Those, those are different types of advisors, right? Those are, you know, most common denominator, just trying to get applications signed and, and filled out They're They're really not, even though they can call people advisors and I'm sure many people are well-meaning representatives. I don't think, you know, well, I mean, I say that the other way, right? I, I think consumers are wrong to confuse them as full blown financial, holistic wealth managers because they have different mandates from the mothership. And I agree. And I, I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I think to me that's uh, that kind of struck because I used to always kind of be, get annoyed with the industry and shoulder it, you know, hey, we should fix this, right? And we should. We're, we're all doing, there's people doing good things. But I would have kind of almost always give the, the general public a free pass. And, you know, the last couple of years, I just more and more, I'm like, you know what? No, there is such thing as fault and responsibility. It's not their fault that the industry is all convoluted, but hey, it's your responsibility. So if there are people out here now who are doing it better ways or, or whatever, you have different options. You need to like take a little bit of responsibility and vet out which models fit you. And like the example I use is if your advisor is gets a W-2 from a Fidelity, Wells Fargo, Schwab, chances are they're going to be soliciting you fidelity products like that's just common sense so you shouldn't expect them to be like a completely you know free you know 
100% fiduciary consultant because it's if you go to Target to buy something, they they might they'll they'll tell you the the best way to solve your problem within Target, but that doesn't mean it's the best way to solve your problem. So it's kind of a silly yeah. thought to think if I go here, that's gonna they're gonna tell me the best way to solve it. No, they'll tell you the best way that they can solve it within their structure. But that may or may not be really what what you want, but that's up to yeah. you, kind of. And, and that's so- how I. My, I remember the second client I got, it was because of that, uh, you know, basically it was tax planning stuff and saved her 30 grand in a 20 minute conversation. And she was kind of like, why didn't the Fidelity guy tell me this? I'm like, because here's the reality. You want it free. You got free. That guy has 500 people in his book. You think he's sitting here doing this? You're paying for me to do that. You're paying. I have less clients and it's yeah, just yeah. a trade off up to you. So- so, Andrew, uh, just real quick, how can, as we begin to wrap this up, how can someone find out more about you and your firm? Yeah, so you could go to my website. It's uh, simplifiedwealth.us, and there's a little bit of information on there, you know, about who I am, uh, what we're about, uh, the types of clients we work with, uh, that type of thing. And then you can uh, click to schedule a time to chat if you would like to awesome. you know, think about the, your situation. The other piece, because we're talking about now, opening up to multiple solutions and we can end it with this what how do you use the reset from a workflow standpoint how does it guide your planning like if someone comes out and i don't think the reset is a is a rubber stamp if they're time segmentation they absolutely need a time segmentation strategy to me it's it's that starting point that you begin the analysis but that's how we use it. I'm curious. You get a research result that says, okay, this is the strategy that this person kind of is is jiving with. How do you take it from there within the auspice, with, with, within the construct of everything else that you said previously about even the Walmart example? Because now you have everything at your disposal. Yeah, so I mean, um, it, kind of, it probably just depends on you know, the first thing I guess I say is I just go into to it not having an agenda, just having a chat reviewing kind of the results with them, right? Um, and then if, if it looks like they have, say, a, a glaring weak spot in their financial plan where they could boost, you know, with some income and results kind of point to they'd be open to that concept. That's when I usually set up a three way call with uh, my contact, Joel at DPL, just to kind of go over how, how their structure works, because usually what I've found is whether it's myself uh, because of my own past biases of bad taste in my mouth, right, like. I, I used to be one who was not, I wouldn't say never annuity person, but I've, I've always had my guard up real high, right? Because it's just like so many landmines. And, and, but DPL and Risa helps with that, right? So, um, you know, getting them on a call with them, I think is important for them to understand how the DPL structure works differently than other annuity platforms out there. Um, that, hey, I pay them. They're not paying me anything to push some product. It's a platform. You have a ton of different options. We can work with them to model it into your financial plan and write capital if we go that route. So usually it's just kind of giving them that exposure that this this uh, strategic partnership's there and available. If if they're really of, of someone where I think it would genuinely help a ton to you know push a little bit to look at it specifically, like to replace you know Social Security that's lower than they thought it would be because of whatever reason. Um, those people usually I start getting them to run some actual uh, scenarios yeah. and and uh, hypotheticals, if you will. And then, yeah, so we always come back to the RISA, though, to point to, it helps later, I found also in cases where you're not even uh, going there, down that route of annuity, just say somebody who wants that total portfolio, sure, right? Yeah, yeah. But you look and they have, you know, a bunch of company stock and then it's kind of like, hey, <laughs> we can 
settle on one of these, but if you're going to have all of the portfolio, you probably want a little bit out of company stock. Yeah, yeah. Within the total return, there's better ways to execute it than you know putting it all on Enron and letting it ride. <laughs> I say that. I should say that. I say that because Andrew has a Lehman Brothers shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Risk Management 2008. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, here you go. Wait, and anything that we may have missed? That looks like a novelty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, th- I think that's a, a pretty good overview. And thank you. And like touching upon the idea, you are a fee only advisor, but you've, you're able to incorporate annuities, which traditionally weren't fee only, but through DPL, that is a, a possibility. And that allows for a wider variety of retirement styles. So if listeners do want to get in touch with you, it was again, his website, Andrew's website, simplifiedwealth.us. Uh, you can learn more about Andrew there. And then he does have a get in touch button at the top of the webpage where you can go to his Calendly and schedule some time to talk. Thank you, Andrew. And also always like to let our listeners know as well with the uh, RISA for advisors, we do have the masterclass coming up. It's August 28th, 29th and 30th, uh, starting at 1 p.m. Eastern time each day. The first two days do have CE credits. It's education on how the RISA works, the kind of the research behind it and so forth, then we'll provide that opportunity to be a RISA user and to learn more about marketing on the uh, optional third day of that uh, series. Anyone who's interested can sign up for that on the uh, the notes page for today's podcast. So thank you, uh, Andrew, for joining us today. And we're glad you could be part of the show. Thank you always, Alex, as well, for guiding that conversation. Yes, yes. And we'll thank you catch I enjoyed it. next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's great, man. Wade and Alex are both principals of McLean Asset Management and retirement researcher. Both are SEC registered investment advisors located in Tysons, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with a risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results.